Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. I add my greeting as well. My name is Jill Williams. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Presbyterian Church, and I am grateful to be able to welcome you to worship this morning. Friends, this is All Saints Sunday. We give thanks today for all who have gone before us, and we celebrate Christian unity that we have experienced across the ages as a people who are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Later in the service, there will be a reading of names of those who have died, covenant members who have died and family members we were aware of this past year. We will make space for sadness. We will make space for gratitude as we give thanks not only for those who precede us in faith, but as we give thanks also for one another, for we are in this journey together. It's also Confirmation Sunday. We have quite a few students who will be confirmed in the contemporary service, so it's a, a beautiful day for the body of Christ. Thank you to all of you who participated in the day of service yesterday. We had hundreds of people who mobilized and went out into the city to serve and to care for mission partners and our neighbors. We will have uh, photographs and snacks on the patio next Sunday in celebration for Covenant's Day of Service. Also, we have had a good start to our pledge season, to our 2018 pledge season. For those of you still prayerfully considering how you might participate and make a faith promise, pledge cards are still available would invite those of you seated closest to the center aisle to sign the friendship pad and to pass it to those beside you. Would you please stand now for the call to worship? Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. In the name of Jesus, our one Lord and Savior, let, let us, us worship, worship God.
You may be seated. Remember that our Lord Jesus can sympathize with us in our weaknesses, since in every respect he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor, first silently. And together, eternal God, in every age you have raised up men and women to live and die in faith. Forgive our indifference to your will. You have commanded us to speak, but we have been silent. You have called us to do what is just, but we have been fearful. Have mercy on us, your faithless servants. Keep before us faithful people for us to follow so that living with courage and love, we may inherit the kingdom promised in Jesus Christ and reign with him forever. Amen. May the God of mercy, who forgives you all your sins, strengthens you in all your goodnesses, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. As we are forgiven and reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, let us be reconciled to each other by sharing a sign of Christ's peace. Peace of Christ be with you. We continue this 
morning our sermon series, Faithful Presence. And as I mentioned at the start of this worship service, today is All Saints Sunday. All Saints Day, which occurred this past Wednesday, November the 1st, it is a day set aside intended for us to remember Christian people of all times and places who have shaped us, that community of faith. It's that day on our church calendar when we recognize the manifold gifts of the faithful, both those living and departed. We are part of the body of Christ through all times and places. A saint, according to scripture, is a child of God who is redeemed by grace and living by faith. Here is how theologian and author Frederick Beekner defines saint. Many people think of saints as plaster saints or moral exemplars, men and women of such paralyzing virtue that they never thought a nasty thought or did an evil deed their whole lives long. As far as I know, real saints never even come close to characterizing themselves that way. In other words, the feet of saints are as much of clay as everyone else's, and their sainthood consists less of what they have done than of what God has, for some reason, chosen to do through them. The Holy Spirit has been called the Lord, the giver of life, and drawing their power from that source Saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. Today is an opportunity to remember those heroes of the faith, those life givers who have gone before us. It is also an opportunity for us to give thanks for those life givers who are sitting beside us. We arrive at what is most likely the most famous passage in the book of Daniel. The setting of Daniel is that of Israel in exile. In exile, the ancient Israelites, they are prisoners in a foreign land, removed from everything that was familiar to them and people that they loved. They will be in exile for about 70 years. They were not where they wanted to be. Life in exile brings a potential threat to the distinctiveness of Jews, to their very life, and also to their fundamental faithfulness to God. It's against this backdrop that we are introduced to Daniel and his companions, who are among the prisoners from Jerusalem taken into exile in Babylon. We've seen how Daniel rises through the ranks and becomes a top advisor to the king. He takes a leap of faith and steps forward when no one else does, trusting in the faithfulness of God to be able to make some sort of sense of the king's dreams. Daniel and his friends, by this point, they have been promoted in the administration. Chapter 3 begins abruptly with the construction of an enormous gold statue. It's dedicated in the presence of an impressive gathering of state dignitaries. The order is that everyone is to fall down and to bow before this statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has ordered to be built. Most people would have little difficulty with that command. For most people in the ancient Near East, we're living with the world view of polytheism, the worship and the belief of many gods. However, the command to worship the statue creates a problem for the Hebrews who cannot obey without breaking a central tenet of their faith. Word gets back to the king that there are three friends of Daniel who do not conform. Which brings us to today's text and to the king's reaction. I invite you to read along with me if you would like to do so. Daniel chapter 3, it's on page 719 on, in one of the Bibles under a chair in front of you. Verses 13 through 18, God's word for us. Then Nebuchadnezzar 
in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made well and good. But... If you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You pray with me. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts and all of our minds, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. May we breathe deeply the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. For this is the broad place where we find the God of joy for life and even for death. In the name of Jesus, we make this prayer. Amen. Writer Elizabeth Elliot was twice widowed first by the martyr death of missionary husband Jim Elliott, and then by the death of her second husband, theologian Addison Leach. She tells of how helpful the Apostles' Creed was for her as she mourned the death of her second husband. She used it to answer the following question. What things have not changed, even though my husband has died? One might imagine Daniel and his friends asking a similar question after being held off to Babylon, far away from home and loved ones. What has not changed, even though we are now exiles in a foreign land? We see in the text that their answer is God. God has not changed. He is still there wherever there is. The big story of this familiar passage is that despite all the hardships, these men, they still hold on to their faith. They stand firm because they trust in God no matter what, and no matter what for them includes death. How Do they do that? How are they able to bear witness to their faith in such dire circumstances? What can we learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that can help us in our journey as a people who are seeking to be faithfully present to God, to be a faithful presence in the city of Austin, and yes, to be faithfully present to God in 2017. First, we see how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believe that God is able to deliver them, that God is able. They know the rescue stories of the past, of how God saved Noah from the flood, Israel from captivity, Gideon from the Mennonites, David from Goliath, and many more. But they need not simply to rely on history lessons, for they have had personal experience of God rescuing them as well. 
We know of a few of these from the book of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were saved with Daniel when they ate vegetables instead of the king's fare. We see that they prayed with Daniel for revelation in, in order to be able to interpret the dreams that the king was having. However, however, even though they affirm that God is able to deliver them, they add three incredible words, but if not. Verse 18 is a powerful statement of faith. The men profess that their God is able to deliver them, but even if not, they will not obey the king's commands. They show us a biblical faith. With great courage, they express their faith by refusing to bow down to an idol. The story assumes these three have no doubt that God can rescue them. At the brink of the furnace, they did not claim to know what their circumstances would hold or what their God would do. Which brings us to another truth we can learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Biblical faith is not confidence in particular outcomes. It is confidence in a sovereign God. Biblical faith is not confidence in particular outcomes. It is confidence in a sovereign God. Finally, these men show us, as they have the ability to hold on to their face, faith, facing incredible odds, that they are strengthened by the presence of community. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are faith-filled together. It's a beautiful story. Throughout the whole entire book of Daniel, you'll see a thread of spiritual friendship. One of my favorite summer reads a few years back <clears throat> was David James Brown's bestseller, The Boys in the Boat. The author chronicles the unlikely eight-man rowing team from the University of Washington that won the gold medal in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. It was the fourth year of the Great Depression as Brown begins the telling of the story. He writes, one in four working Americans, 10 million people had no job and no prospects of finding one, and only a quarter of them were receiving any kind of relief. Industrial production had fallen by half in those four years. At least one million and perhaps as many as two million were homeless living on the streets or in shanty towns like Seattle's Hooverville. In many American towns, <clears throat> it was impossible to find a bank whose doors weren't permanently shuttered. Behind those doors, the savings of countless American families had disappeared forever. Nobody could say when or if the hard times would ever end. And perhaps that was the worst of it. Whether you were a banker or a baker, a homemaker or homeless, it was with you day and night, a terrible, unrelenting uncertainty about the future, a feeling that the ground could drop out from under you for good at any moment. This was the bleak setting in American history which was the backdrop for the boys in the boat. People were afraid of the future. Maybe some of you connect with that now as we sit where we are today, being afraid of what the future might hold. We see in the book that this was especially true for the primary character, Joe Rance. Joe came from a particularly poor family that was hit hard by the Depression. His mom died when he was six and his father struggled to find work. He shuttled back and forth between various family members and between his father, he lives out in the woods in a very poor place. One day when he's 15, he comes home only to find the family car packed up. His dad is waiting for him on the porch. He goes to his, his dad, he says, dad, where are we going? His dad says, I'm not sure. 
He sees his stepmom in the front seat of the car and his brothers in the back seat. But his father then explains to Joe that Joe is not going with them. His dad says that the little kids need a father more than Joe does, for he is pretty much grown up now. Joe pleads to come along. His dad explains that won't work. He then goes on to tell his son that if there is one thing he has figured out in life, it's that if you want to be happy, you have to learn how to be happy on your own. He says this to his 15-year-old son right before they pull out of the driveway and leave him. When Joe wakes up alone, the next morning he resolves that he will never again let himself depend on people, not on his family nor anyone else, for his sense of who he was. He would survive, but he would do it on his own. He learns to fend for himself, stays in school, gets accepted to the University of Washington and finds a way to go to school, which means that he must make the rowing team, which he does. But the problem becomes that the eight-man rowing is the ultimate team sport, which ultimately rescues Joe from living a lonely life under the illusion of trying to be self-sufficient, plagued with personal insecurities, enabling him to participate in something that is much bigger than himself in grand mission with others. It's a beautiful book explaining a lot about rowing. We learn that rowing teams that win learn the secret of pulling their oars through the, same, through the water at the same time, in the same rhythm, with the same speed, even though they cannot see the destination where they are headed for. You learn how each member of the crew plays a unique role, each with a particular responsibility. The middle rowers, the four in the middle, they are typically the most powerful and the heaviest. The stroke oar closest to the coxswain has a different responsibility than the one who is in the back further, furthest from the coxswain in the bow of the boat. It's an amazing story with the overriding theme of camaraderie that is experienced between these men. This 1936 gold medal team, the camaraderie that they experienced. The writer paints a portrait of exceptional unity. He writes about the trust that is forged in these relationships on and off the water. 60 years after their race in Berlin, the surviving members of the team, they are so emotionally connected that their, ear, that their eyes easily brim with tears as they recall their friendship and the commitment that they shared with each other and how they were willing to sacrifice for the others in the boat. The boys in the boat were truly family. <clears throat> a major <clears throat> a major principle <clears throat> a major principle of allergies <clears throat> a major principle of the book of Daniel is the principle of community Daniel has friends and he stays close to his friends. There were people in the boat with them. They support each other and they pray for each other in their time of trial. They understand that they need each other and that they cannot go it alone. Friends, we need community. It is not God's desire that we fend for ourselves or try to survive it on our own. We live in challenging times in which our faith that God is ultimately in control is tested. In times where many of the Bible's principles are routinely ridiculed or ignored by our secular society, times when staying faithful is clearly a challenge. The pressures put upon us 
may tempt us to lose hope, fit in, or withdraw to a more sheltered world. Community is absolutely necessary. We need one another. There has got to be people in your boat with you who know you well. It is our sense of community that keeps us afloat and headed in the direction that God calls us to individually and as a community of faith. And we remind one another that God is able and we pray for one another to be able to trust God with the outcomes. Back to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The story continues with the three men bound, put into the fiery furnace. I'll let you read the rest of the story on your own. But the king ultimately sees not just three men, but four men unbound and unhurt in the flame of fire. And the king notes that the fourth man has the appearance of a god. They were cast into the fire, but a fourth appeared with them. In the midst of the furnace, we see the presence of God. It's instructive to see that these three were not delivered from the fire, but were delivered in the fire. God did not keep them out of the furnace, but rather found them in it. Brothers and sisters, the living God may not shield you as much as we long for him to, from all disappointments and all trials. But it is in the loneliness, the failure, the betrayal, the loss, that God comes and walks with you. Trusting this is what allows us to have faith in the furnace. We can never go where God is not. So we can have confidence that when chaos and fiery trials come and we experience the testing of our faith, are heartbroken or are even afraid for our lives, when we face the death of someone vitally important to us, God is faithful. And God will find us, for that is the kind of God that we have. We will find strength and assurance in the one who is with us always. Shortly, we will engage in a tradition of this community. The reading of the names of those who died this past year. Our lives contain many rituals. They give us a sense of belonging. This morning, we give thanks to God for the community of faith, for those we miss who are no longer by our side. We stand on the shoulders of others who encourage us to live faithful lives, some of them who invested in us and loved us so much. They are now a part of that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on and urging us forward as it is now our turn to be faithfully present in God's world as others have done before us. We remember today all who are united in Christ, whether dead or alive, for all are saints because and only because of the unmerited work of Christ through the power of God's Spirit. Our life and our journey, it matters everything to God and it matters everything to in the entire body of Christ including those beside us today. Friends, we can't give up. We are in this together. Let's help one another to be faithful and to thrive for the healing and blessing of God's world. Pray with me. Oh, loving God, we are mindful this day. And for some of us, most every day, of those who have already finished the race that you gave them to run, how grateful we are for the heroes of faith, ancient and recent, 
ones we have not yet met, and those we now share life intimately with. May the witness of their lives give us courage and inspire us to persevere and to live faithful lives. Guide us and be our pace setter, we pray, for we don't want to run this race in vain. Through Christ our Lord, we make this prayer. Amen. heavy burden of all I've seen and know it's more than I can handle but your word is burning like a fire shut up in my bones and I can't let it go and when I'm weary and overwrought with so many battles left unfought Paul and Silas in the prison yard I hear their song of freedom Rising to the stars And when the saints go marching in I want to be one of them Lord, it's all that I can't carry And cannot leave behind it often overwhelms me But when I think of all who've gone before And lived a faithful life Their courage compels me And when I'm weary and overwrought With so many battles left unfought I think of Paul and Silas in the prison Calcutta nights I see the sisters standing by the dying man's side I see the young girl huddled on the brothel floor I see the man with a passion coming kicking down that door I see the man of sorrow and his long troubled road I see the world on his shoulder and my of them and when the saints go marching in I want to be one of them I want to be one of them I want to be one of them I want to be one of them
As an act of worship, we now express communion of the saints, as well as call attention to the profound gifts that God gives us through the body of Christ. This morning, we celebrate God's grace at work through ordinary, precious people. We'll do this momentarily with a reading of names. of covenant members who died this past year, as well as the reading of names of family members of covenant members that the church office was aware of. On this Sunday, communion servers will not say the traditional words, body and blood of Christ for you. Instead, friends, you are invited to come forward in silence and to come forward in prayer, listening to the names as they are read as we partake of communion together, giving thanks for the faith of the saints. would invite the servers to now please come forward. The body of Christ has done oh so many times. We gather around this table of grace. All who have just a mustard seed of faith in Jesus are welcome to this table. United with brothers and sisters across the ages, we remember together at this meal that Jesus took bread And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And later on during that same meal, Jesus took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant made possible by the shedding of my blood. Drink from this, all of you. For every time we eat from this bread and drink from this cup, we remember and we proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again, and come again he shall, to make all things right. The gifts of God for the people of God. We will soon eat and drink together. This is the body and the blood of Christ for us.
Charles C.J. Ashley, Hilda Beach, Luann Bennett, Dick Bowen, Jim Brightman, Joe Clendenin, Phyllis Coddington, Hank Crawley, Arthur Cunningham, Art Davis, Myrtle Eilert, Nelson Fuller, Joanna George, George Gibbs, Vera Hallmark, Lucy Hamilton, Dotsie Hill, Paul Hill, Lindsay Holton, Lindsay Hilton, David Holtkamp, John Hongenschmidt, Bob Hughes, Shirley Hunt Lynn, Neil Johnson, John Kemp, Doris Liver, Shirley McGee, Tom McGee, John Minter, Claudine Mitchell, John Mitchell, Don Myers, Chris Park, Eileen Patterson, Marianne Patrick, Bob Powell, Richard Pusey, Rusty Ratliff, Harold Hal Ream, Dana Rhodes, Lucille Riley, Virgil Russell, Jack Schmidt, Helen Smith, Kathy Summers, Susan Sandislow, Conway Taylor, Otto Tolzma, Iris Tyndall, Ted Weiss, Bobby Wilhite, Betsy Wiswell,
Lord, how glorious is your kingdom. Indeed, we can't believe that we get to participate in the work of your kingdom. We humbly bow before you. What a wonder is the life of faith. We understand that everything we have comes from you, how we pray to steward well what you give us. All of this we pray as we now pray together the prayer that followers of Jesus have prayed through the centuries, praying the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. saints of God and go on your way rejoicing, surrounded as you are by so great a cloud of witnesses. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Spirit be with you this day and throughout this week. Amen. Amen.